Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. MNCAA back with you folks again. Episode 99. We're one episode shy of 100 here as part of our collaboration with the Soda Pod. I'm your host, Nick Max, and joined to start things off with our Big Ten guests. We have Nate Wells along with Drew Cove, guys. Thanks for coming back. It's been some time uh, since we got back together again. Figured it was probably good. And uh, what was to say? We picked a good weekend to come back. Um, Nate, I'm going to start with you. First of all, um, Happy New Year. I know it's been a while since I've seen you guys. And um, as you were talking before the recording, um, one team out of our entire recording this entire episode actually took care of business this weekend and happened to be the Gophers. It was the Gophers. They finally put things together. They're like us. If you're watching this, we all have hats for once. We all kind of came together after deciding to maybe just not have everything going. And yeah, Minnesota, they came off of a uh, six game homestand, five and one. They get the split with CC. They sweep Robert Morris in games that pretty much were just needed for pairwise rankings. And then they get that much-needed Big Ten sweep. I don't know how many times that we have said on this podcast that Minnesota needs six points in a weekend just to keep up with the Joneses in the Big Ten. And you know what? They did it, and we get to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, Drew, what's what's bringing also happening to, your, to you as well? Um, you know, w- w- we've talked about how they were going to get six points, right? And more so, not necessarily the team aspect of it, but who was going to step up. This weekend, it looked like it was Rhett Pitlick that answered the call. Yeah, and it's finally, he's finally kind of putting it at least on the score sheet. And I think we've talked about him, and I mean, I, I at least have talked about him and kind of how how good he looks off the puck most of the time where it's like you think a guy with that type of speed and that type of offensive prowess would like really shine at any given point only when he's kind of like got the puck and doing fun things with it. But I think he's almost, he's, he's just as impressive off the puck. I mean, without the puck than he is uh, with it in on a stick. So um, I think he finally obviously came and capitalized on it. I think uh, over the last few weeks too, we saw a couple of guys finally get rewarded. I mean, we saw Mason Nevers get his first goal of the season, kind of watching that celebration. Like, Boy, yeah, that was really big weight off his shoulders. And he's a guy who I, we've talked about for two years playing, really exceptionally good hockey and i was i was kind of saying to watching the game i was saying to somebody i'm like this like on robert morris mason nevers would be the best player like it's just it's that kind of guy where it's like he he like some of these guys could be elsewhere and they could be the guy but they choose to be here and like it takes them until january to get their first goal of the season but um yeah rep petlick obviously shined this weekend um and i think obviously on saturday with the six different goal scorers that was a that's a good sign uh, headed into even tougher weekends. Because like we said, the six points, the sweep, um, keep up with the Joneses, you know, it's it's going to only get more difficult because I think that was obviously the easiest. Um, I mean, schedule wise, it's the easiest series that the Gophers had to get a sweep the rest of the way. So um, we'll see what they can do in the next couple of weeks. But I'm sure we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because last year at this time, guys, you know, when we were talking about the Gophers, it was. You know, a different conversation, right? They were well ahead in the Big Ten standings. It was more about, you know, can you not trip over your own feet, right? Now it's it's a bit of a different story, right? And, and Nate, back to you, you know, 
Rhett Pitlick, yes, but you know, you don't have Logan Cooley, right? And you don't have the same defensive core you had last year, which means you need other guys to step up. You need guys to show some progress. Uh, we talked about Rhett Pitlick, but I want to talk about two other players. And I want to talk about both Strobel and Clark because, you know, it's about that team first mentality. And at the end of the day, these guys have got to contribute both on and off the puck. And I think we saw some improvements. I think we saw some positive signs that they not only can carry into what's going to be in a very important stretch for the Gophers here until the end of the season, but more so how they can build for next year too. Yeah, it's really been one of those stretches where for Minnesota, we're trying to look more week to week and even game to game of where the improvement is. I mean, the last time we all sat here and talked was also after an Ohio State series. And we're a little bit more down. And I think if you look at the score, the score sheet, and if you look at how things are going, there wasn't an insanely big difference where I mean, Jimmy Snugger played well in that one, getting the goals where Rep Pitlick got once in this one. But you have just kind of your your younger players, your deaf players, um, your Charlie Storbos, your Jimmy Clarks, your Oliver Moores. Um, Sam Renzel made a really fantastic play. Um, in the Saturday game uh, to get uh, to kind of help set up Minnesota's first goal that I was watching and just thinking to myself, I don't think he makes that. He doesn't make that play in November. I don't even know if he makes that play the last time that Minnesota played Ohio State. And to me, that is kind of what's representative about where the Gopher team is right now and where you're kind of hoping to see them. If you're a fan of the Gophers, where just you have these players who are taking steps, being more comfortable in college hockey, understanding what they can do, what they can do, can't do, and building on their success each week and being able to just kind of fine tune those small things that make the adjustment to college hockey such a tough thing for uh, for freshmen and uh, first year players. Where I know at times this entire year where we we're being amazed at the, the quick adjustment that Jimmy Clark had, but now you're seeing it through uh, some of the other players on, on the Gophers as well. So to me, that is kind of just the big story where we are with Minnesota right now. And I'm really excited for the next uh, three to four weeks just to see where the Gophers are, because this is going to be a really good test for Minnesota. Drew, I want to stick with Sam Renzel because, you know, not often, and I know it's been some time when we talked uh, uh, about this team as a whole, but, you know, we're going to touch on Will Jr.'s a little bit just only because I know that, uh, you know, some of these Gophers had some experiences there, but I don't think there's a bigger impact that has had on a player than Sam Renzel when he went to world juniors. Right. And sometimes it's, you know, when you're playing on the international stage, you know, it's maybe a different role, maybe it's just different competition. And sometimes a spark is created, right? Sometimes a connection is, is made. I get the sense this that for Sam Renzel and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that experience playing in the world junior championship, obviously winning gold, you know, nonetheless has had a really nice, almost seemed to unlock a little bit with Sam Renzel. Am I, am I out of the question or have you seen the I same? Don't- I don't think you're dreaming at all because I think, I mean, even just seeing, kind of seeing some of the plays where Ryan Chesley, too, another fellow World Junior uh, uh, representative there, um, I've seen, he's always been kind of an aggressive, obviously, offensive guy, but he's gotten, like, gotten into things, like, where you see it's like, I didn't, maybe I just didn't notice it before, but he just seems really 
like aggressive and like a very good and kind of like something you really want from a from one of those i mean a leader on your defense i get he's only a sophomore but still he's he's obviously one of the better uh players on that de- on the defensive core but sam renzel too he just looks like a different player and i know we couldn't i mean i specifically couldn't stop harping on man they've got a lot of work to do from just playing as a unit and playing collectively better um and i think sam renzel has been one of the the key parts to i think the turnaround and i don't think that it's been like wow they were absolute garbage and now they're they're like presentable or like top of the top of the world but they're playing more like a team and they're playing more like a i mean a bona fide very good big 10 uh defensive courts and and a team playing behind a team that has higher aspirations and just maybe making some noise in the conference tournament or just making the tur- the national tournament itself and not really winning a game or anything. But um, I think obviously we all knew they had some work to do earlier in the season and uh, for some weekends it didn't show. Um, but I think they, they look night and day com- considering where they did in October, November, and like Nate said too, even just in, in into December and just some of these guys look so much different. And yeah, I think Sam Renzel is, um, he's definitely one of the biggest parts to that turnaround because he's just looked he's looked like a just a really really good player it's hard it's hard to put the right like the words to it than just to just say like oh he's really good or he's really great but it's just it's he he's look he's looked like like just a completely transformed player and that's really good to see this early into his college tenure to see because i mean sometimes we haven't seen that um even some of the guys that dra- that graduated last year jackson lacombe i think was a guy who took re- a way longer time to kind of make some of those big j- uh, jumps and adjustments and uh sam renzel i think has taken a huge huge step in just uh, a few short months he really has and you know sometimes guys when we talk about college level players right sometimes it's not that the skills been off or the structure isn't there but sometimes it's about just accepting their roles right you know being that important role player there's one player that we have left to discuss, and that's Brody Lamb. And if his role was setup man, playmaker, uh, Nate, yeah, um, we're seeing that more out of Brody Lamb. And, you know, over the last couple of years, right, the Gophers been known, again, with Logan Cooley, Matthew Nye, the finishers, right? But let's not forget, someone's got to give him the puck, and Brody Lamb has been a great distributor as of late. Yeah, and I would even throw Aaron Hugo in kind of that same discussion. Both, both got rewarded uh, at times this weekend. Um, on the goal sheet, but it's just you have some elite, elite scores. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Snuggerud is tied for second nationally in goals. Rhett Pidlick is up there now, too. I believe he has 14, 15 goals at the moment as we're recording this. And just you're getting people, you're, you're getting people who like the Brody Lamb, like the Aaron Hugelin, who can find those lanes, get open, um, and set up these goals. And yeah, it's been great to see. I'm really, I know we, we, we harped a lot on Minnesota in the first half and there's still things to harp about with the Gophers. It's not one of those, Hey, they flipped the switch. This is great. Frozen four. Let's go, uh, start raising a banner in Dinky town right now. No, we're not North Dakota. Um, so let's put that to bed. No, no, <laughs> no, you know that all too well right now. So <laughs> but with Minnesota, like, the two big differences with this weekend with Ohio State and Mariucci versus Ohio State and Columbus were they were able to close games out, which are things that we have been waiting to see Minnesota do all year. They, they hit they hit they, they hit two nothing. They give they still give up a goal on the ensuing shift, which is a bit of a frustrating aspect. And this is still one of those things where 
you're hoping they see Minnesota do that less and less as the uh, rest of the season goes on. It's still been a moment of, it's still been a bit of a frustration um, to follow along with the season, but at the same time, they're able to get the goal back. They get three, one, they go four, one, they start, they get five, one, they're able to pull away the games. This was watching Minnesota during the second and third period of both nights. You felt that this is a game that is in control and whether that was kind of finding the confidence in that CC and Robert Moore series, or just being able to just kind of turn the page for the second half of the season and accept those roles and accept where, what this team is and find that identity of what this team is. Um, I mean, that's the big difference. So there's still some work to be done. There's giving up those goals after they give up the two goals in quick succession too on Saturday, but uh, there's things you don't get away with against top teams like Michigan state and Wisconsin, which make those great tests as well. So it's, you know, there's, you take the good, you take the bad. You're, Certainly a two-step forward weekend, though. Yeah, and Nate, that's exactly what you were saying. I mean, you were saying, I think, at the early part of the year that you just, even into last, at the, I mean, throughout last season, you were just saying, man, you just felt confident in their ability to keep a game, like, from being from being lost. And they just, you, they got the lead, and you say, okay, this feels, it, it feels secure. And that, that, that doesn't, that hasn't happened a lot in the, a lot of recent gopher years, um, especially, I mean, at least since I've been kind of, around and covering the team but um last year felt like that and it finally started to obviously ohio state's yeah like you said the, the competition isn't as great obviously ohio state i think is still a good uh, a good test and obviously cc being a good test being ranked at the time and uh obviously robert morris in between there uh won't comment so much about that about their their uh ranking or lack thereof but we're happy um, we're happy it, robert morris is back playing hockey we're happy they're here exactly, exactly. we're really happy exactly. they're back and seriously like that president who cut them they no, we're happy they're back i'll just say that if you can't say anything right. nice don't say anything at all exactly. we're going to touch in more breakdown of those matchups here later guys but as we're talking players shall we say evolving and maybe finding more of their game or you know assuming more of their role when we go back to the start of the season and to where we're at now, is there a player that has been consistent and you can say this is the barometer of goal for hockey and it does not matter when we pick out a weekend, this player is consistent. You can say, well, if this player is on, the team is on, or maybe they're off or off. Uh, Drew, I'm going to stick with you. Who is the one player that you can point to that says, if I'm going to measure the temperature of the golfers, this is the guy I'm looking at? See, I want to see Nate's face when I answer this because I, I wonder if he has the same guy in mind. I have but, two guys in mind, and I figure one of them's got to be. I figure you have one of them, Jackson Nelson. No, nope, you got none. Really? Either of them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I I would have sw- I could have sworn that that would have been on at least one or two, but Jackson Nelson, I think he goes so. I mean, obviously he's a huge dude, so it's kind of hard for him to really fly under the radar, but like. <laughs> Once, once he figured out that he had to stop like hitting people as as he used to when he was like really young here, because he would like I remember Nate and I were talking, I mean four or five years ago that like Jackson Nelson would get in a really good hit, but just because he's a foot and a half taller than the other guy, he'd get penalized for it. It really stunk because it's just like he's like, what am I doing? I I can't hit a guy, and it's just like it would be if if it was like Mason Jobs from like uh, Ohio speaking of Ohio State like a guy like that hitting somebody for the exact same play he wouldn't get penalized but i think he's found a way to kind of like fit into his size to not necessarily go unnoticed but to really make an impact without being flashy and showy cuz he knows that there are other guys on the team to do that and i think he is just a very responsible player 
um, in any situation that he plays in. And uh, I think as a as a as a an older guy, a centerman on this team, that they're gonna they they need him to be that steady, consistent presence. And I think when when the Gophers are doing well, you know, it's it's like a good defenseman. It's like you're not gonna really. It's like same for the Wild. Like if you like the Wild, and you you, I mean, I'm I'm a big Jonas Brodeen fan. You watch you watch him, and you say, wow, you don't really you don't notice a whole lot of his game. But like when the whole game is quiet and things are going well, he's usually playing really, really, really well. Mark of a good defenseman, right? Is when you exactly, (laughs) and I think the same. This almost the same goes for Jackson Nelson because I think he just he keeps that calm presence and he, um, and that line as a whole, those old guys on that line, um, it it really, it it really brings a good stable presence to this Gophers team, and I think uh, he's he's really shown that so far this year for me. Hey, what 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 were the two that you had? Drew, first off, I you know you sold me on that was a really good one, and also I'm just proud of you for just like saying old guys, and I'm like I'm like yeah, you know what? I guess that works. You can say it now. But no, also, yeah, yeah, they're old totally, guys, but they're I think yeah. they're probably still just a little bit younger than me. Okay, so they're they're yeah. just a little bit. Let's, let's, yeah. be, let's come on. <laughs> no, they're all they're all young as me. I'm just I'm I'm the old guy here. So, but <laughs> no, it was good. Yeah, there was totally, there really was a stretch. I remember uh, one in Notre Dame where Nelson uh, took a penalty that like an interference penalty that was literally it was he was a foot taller than the uh, the yeah. Notre Dame player that he hit. It was two minutes. It was just basically two minutes for being tall. So the two I had. And the one I thought you're going to go with, I thought I thought Red Pedlick, just based on what we we're discussing earlier, because um, we just find that consistency. Minnesota is flying and they're playing well, and there are stretches where maybe he struggles and doesn't have it, um, and doesn't make that same the same uh, contributions that he's able to do when he's playing well. And Minnesota is a much better team on there. The one I thought would be a good one and I was kind of thinking about this while watching him play this weekend is Oliver Moore, because he feels like he's kind of the forward that's stirring the drink for the Gophers is another guy that is one who is kind of really improved uh, since coming back from world juniors. He made the most of that opportunity, but even before that, you're just watching him play and you're like, you're facing adversity that you've not faced before um, coming to college not being the guy, but still having the skills, trying to figure out how, the best way to use your speed, figure out those different gears that will be a good contribution. And I kind of figured when he was doing that, Minnesota was not as consistent, was, was in that inconsistent part of the season. And as he's trying to start to find his rhythm and turn, turn things around and just kind of be that assist machine and kind of be able to contribute in different areas of the game you've seen minnesota be that uh be a much better team be a more consistent team um as the season goes along so that was kind of the one that kind of hit for me um i mean you can also always go with the goalie uh but that just feels like that's just cheating yeah i mean it's i think you could argue <laughs> yeah the goaltender especially we have any plays almost every game yeah yeah the, yeah. the goal the goalie that got to sit once and we're like you get to sit oh wow all right okay. i know all right yeah um, so with that being said, guys, um, by the way, I think you got cases for all three players that you mentioned, honestly. And I even think the goaltenders, I think by proxy, right, are always so into that conversation just because I think there's a lot of responsibility that lands in the soul, on the shoulders of the goaltenders. Uh, but which kind of leads us into our next question, guys, right, is Minnesota right now playing arguably their best hockey in a while. Their trajectory is going upwards, which is good because – as we look at their current standings, ninth in the pairwise, still some work to do in the Big Ten. I'm not sure if they have enough in the tank to get 
up to Michigan State Territory, um, Wisconsin Territory. But, guys, here's the question that I have for you. As we embark here in the second half, right, what is our big picture takeaway? Meaning, what what is our expectations now? Have they changed a bit? Uh, Drew, I want to start with you. Based on what we've seen, granted, Ohio State, we can make that argument, yes, or maybe not the toughest test. But sometimes that can be a trap series, right? We go in, you feel like, okay, we should be able to beat these guys on paper. And maybe you you take a step back or two and you allow yourself to lose a game, right? Golfers didn't do that. They took care of business. What are we thinking big picture-wise where these golfers are at and maybe where they're headed? Um, Boy, I mean, I, I did think that, obviously, I thought it was going to be a transition for the defense. Like we talked about so much already this season, just kind of getting back up to speed and to, to kind of pick up the slack not that they were ever going to replace those three guys that left completely because that's just you can't you can't ask a bunch of younger guys to do that um especially just jumping into this level where a lot of them are are really on the young and kind of thin side um but i think i i I expected the forward group to take a little bit more of the slack and to maybe win them a few more games early in the season to say all right let's just let's just take this high octane offense and like really and really use our depth up front to really just just blow some teams out and, and steal some wins where uh, last season they might've needed to be a little bit lower scoring and the defense would have taken some of that up. But I do think now um, I still think they're a tournament team, obviously ninth in the pairwise, but um, I do think that, I mean, it, they can win a game. I think they could make the frozen four. Um, I don't know. I mean, just based on the talent and like the stuff on paper, it doesn't, I, I don't know if they can, like if, if the ceiling for last season was runner up, I don't know if this team can get back there, but that's not me trying to say, oh man, let, let's put it on the bulletin board that 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 the MNCAA podcast is saying this team isn't talented <laughs> enough to make it to the Frozen Four. Obviously, any team can do that. And like we've seen so many teams like like jump jump through um being kind of lower seated or like just winning some games, stealing some games, and blowing through weird regionals and well, hold uh, making Saint an cloud? impact. But just a couple of years ago, I don't think anybody had them. Mm-hmm in a national championship game in 2021, right? Uh, and by the way, did they get there? They beat BU, they beat BC, um, and then had to take down Mankato, a really good Mankato squad there in the semifinal. Um, but they got hot at the right time, right, Drew? So sometimes it's not about the talent, but sometimes you're just also playing your best hockey at the right mm-hmm. time. And sometimes it's execution, right? Sometimes it's puck management. So talent aside, you got to have mm-hmm. some. A lot of times when it comes down to the playoffs, it's about just sometimes you're just you know, getting hot at the right time and also making sure that you're taking care of your own end of the ice. Yeah. And if we can see them try and look silly, like make, try and make Michigan state look a little silly. Like I think they did make the Gophers look a little bit early this season and especially Wisconsin, if they can kind of, kind of reverse the roles a little bit there for both those series. I mean, even I think a split in both series would be, I think a still a positive and still uh, something to build off of. And obviously it depends on how they play in that. They could obviously get, like a few seasons ago they played in Wisconsin and they got, they won the games, but they played really poorly and it wasn't a good showing, but it's like, they still get the points, but it, like you get the, I get the points, but like, you don't, it, again, like you said, the momentum and the like playing really sound hockey at the right time, they certainly weren't playing sound hockey, but they still managed to get some victories. But I do think if they keep playing like they did over this last stretch in the second half, um, they could obviously very well make a bunch of noise net, but it, it really comes down to playing, see, seeing how they play against the, against the bona fide teams. And it's weird to say, again, it's weird to say bona fide teams when you're talking about Michigan state and Wisconsin, 
Um, but that's just the reality now. So it's just they they've they've jumped up ahead in uh in in all the uh um kind of all the timelines everyone had. So I mean they're they're back to being blue bloods again, uh quote unquote. Um and uh it, we just we gotta see how they do these next two weekends. I think this is like this is the next I think we'll know a lot a lot about this team um if they're able to capitalize on what they've done um against the yeah, Ohio State and uh Colorado College to see if that play can translate to not top 20 ish teams to top five teams. Right. And, uh, you know, both of these next weekends also on the road, right? You start in Lansing to face the Spartans before you go back to Madison to face uh, the number two Wisconsin Badgers. And like you said, you know, taking what we've talked about and very complimentary of the squad, can they continue to not only replicate that, but even be better. Right. Uh, Nate, I want to break down that five and one, six game stretch where we were of course on a holiday break um i want to actually focus on one matchup specifically how about the loss and it's not necessarily i'm trying to down on the golfers but more so the former don lucia led colorado college tigers um used to be actually a very prominent program right they've had some down years uh but what a job chris mayotte has done with the cc tigers i've talked to him numerous times i don't I compliment him a lot, and rightfully so. Um, how about CC coming in now in the top 20 conversation, right? Um, taking one against the Gophers in Mariachi, that was a bit of a, was it a bit of a shock to you for Gophers fans? Um, more so not to take anything away from a Colorado College did, but more so that this team has gotten this far into three years under that head coach and, you know, really sort of a night number one. Maybe caught the Gophers a bit, a little bit surprised. Would you agree with that? Yeah, if that was the game that Minnesota was going to lose, it was that was that would be the one that I would not be surprised at. Where you have players coming back from the World Juniors from Europe, you're on a holiday break, you're a little rusty, you're figuring things out. Those games kind of we've seen we've seen it all the time in the Mariucci Classic uh, when that was still around. Where those games, it kind of feels like those first games after holiday break, you can throw out the records a little bit or trying to understand what's going on. Um, Fortunately for Minnesota, this that loss might end up being that loss or the Penn State loss are going to end up being the worst blemishes on Minnesota's record. And neither of them are bad losses when you look at the pairwise. Penn State right now is about 25. Colorado College is in the top 20, um, partially on that win, partially on the overtime wins at North Dakota. I watched they're on uh, CBS Sportsnet. Uh, this weekend, and they are content to continue that run against uh, Miami. I watched way too much college hockey this weekend, guys. I'm just going to point that one out. <laughs> There's I watched, no such I watched, thing, Nate. No I, watched, I watched an Army Air Force game, which one I need to get to that. That's, that should be on any college hockey fans' bucket list. But it was 5 nothing Air Force, and then the game ended 7-6 Air Force winning. Um, just It was wow. that crazy. Air, um, Army almost won it, or almost tied it like in the final seconds. So it was just wow. That game was just ridiculous. I was just going to say that. So we are fortunate in college hockey to have so many options for games on TV. Um, so it's just been really good on that end. But it's going back to yeah, Colorado College. You kind of we have the same theme with Chris Mayotte resuscitating a CC squad that's been in dire straits for the past 15 years in the Big Ten, where Mike Hastings is turning around a Wisconsin program that's already had the talent, but maybe has not been able to put things together. You have Ed Nightingale recruiting his butt off and turning around Michigan State program that has almost been the laughing stock of the Big Ten Conference for the decade that has been going on. And those are the two top teams in the standings in the pairwise. 
And what they've been doing for that is something that we almost expect Minnesota to do is they're able to keep games close. They're able to find ways to win. Um, they play really solid team hockey. Um, Michigan State got absolutely dominated by Michigan on Friday. They lost 7-1. They had a great five minutes after that. The Wolverines just plummeted. Like it just it was it was something that I've not seen a team do to Michigan State all season. The Gophers played them very well, but Michigan made them look silly. They almost went, they were down 4-1 the next night on the road in Ann Arbor. They turn things around in about a span of eight minutes. It goes from 4-1 Michigan to 5-4 Michigan State. And that right there really sums up both of those teams where Michigan has a ton of talent and has doesn't have the consistency. They haven't been able to put things together. Michigan State may not have the same talent. They do have a lot more talent than they used to. But they're able to put things together. They're able to play a really great team game. They're never out of games. And that is kind of where you want to see Minnesota, especially over this next two weeks, because they're going to be playing two teams that they can't do what they did against Ohio State. They're not going to be able to dominate and control 120 minutes. It's going to be a game where they're going to struggle. They're going to have to find a way to win where they may not be the better team. And those are the teams that the ones that are able to do that are the ones that compete and contend for national championships. The ones that don't and have a lot of talents the ones that are inconsistent and don't find it are the ones that are that 8 to 10 to 12 to even on the bubble. And that's where you see those St. Cloud, you see Michigan, you see Minnesota, who granted they are ninth in the paradise right now, but they are closer to being out of the tournament than they are to Michigan State, who is seventh. So fortunately for Minnesota, they don't have any bad losses. They didn't do what Providence did this weekend. Uh, I, I, I cannot just say Providence lost to Alaska Anchorage, who was 50-something in the Paralyze at the time. I, I looked before and after 45. their loss. They're 45 now. Their RPI was 0.5825 before the game. When they lost, it was 0.5663. So that is how much a bad wow. loss hurts you Jeez. in the Paralyze. Yeah, it hurts. Um, so, but like we said, right, the Gophers, uh, a big stretch of games coming up four straight against two of the top teams in the Big Ten. Um, we talked about a barometer for a player. I think we're going to get a barometer on the Gopher season over the next four weeks. Or excuse me, not four weeks. Well, actually, probably four weeks more so in more near-term senses, four games here, guys. Uh, with that, that's going to wrap up our Big Ten. And speaking of pairwise, a lot of implications for the NCAC after some couple of big matchups. We're going to talk about that with Max Feach here next on MNCAA.